You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. Hope everyone is doing well here in the final week of August, which means hockey is just around the corner. We've got rookie camp, rookie tournament, and training camp coming up very, very soon. Jared Schaffer and Josh Schaefer here on the Rain Check. Josh, how's things going with you here as we head towards Labor Day? I mean, it's going well. Like you said, yeah, hockey's right around the corner. We're starting to inch our way just a little bit closer. And at the time of recording, I'm sitting right next to some big windows looking out at beautiful Toyota Arena across the street. So looking forward to getting back in the building and, and uh, seeing the team take the ice in a couple of months. Well, this is the time of year, too, as things start to get finalized towards the next season. We have more and more news coming out. I know we've kept everybody in the loop on some things that have happened during the offseason. Obviously, there was a head coaching change. There's been player signings, Brett Sutter moving on, and, and Martin Furk moving on. There, there's been some news here, but now the next couple of weeks, I think you'll start to see more and more things as, as the team ramps up toward the season. And the biggest news this week was that the Kings – announced an affiliation with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, a, a team that we're obviously familiar with. The Rain and Swamp Rabbits have been kind of sending players back and forth over the past couple of years. There are some players on Kings contracts like Jacob Ingham that have played uh, for the Swamp Rabbits. So nothing completely new, but to have the official relationship unveiled, uh, pretty exciting that, that really for this organization, there is going to be a home for their prospects at the ECHL level which hasn't happened since Manchester and, and Greenville's a team that's, that's been on the rise the past couple of years under, under head coach, Andrew Lord. Yeah. And the, the Kings in the rain haven't had an ECHL affiliate, like you said, since Manchester. And that was last in 2019. And over the past couple of years, you've had players kind of sent a few different places, um, especially goalies. You see them kind of spread out because you don't want them competing for time at the ECHL level either. Um, but, but, uh, we've seen a majority of players go down to Greenville. And at the same time, we've seen players from Greenville signed to, you know, ATO deals just to come up and, and, and play a little bit with, with the Ontario rain. And even, even just this last season, there were a handful of players that played for both Greenville and Ontario. Um, you know, we mentioned the goaltenders, you mentioned Jacob Ingham, John Lefferman, who was with the organization last year, the two of them combined for 48 games for the swamp rabbits in net last season. Um, there were players who were on, who had signed contracts with Ontario, like Brett Kemp, Nikita Pavlichev, and Alex Irulo, who were all down there last year. And then there were a few players like Christian Casestool, who came up to the rain, played almost 30 games, um, was, was a smaller defenseman, but I like to describe him as a little bowling ball. I mean, he was flying around, hitting everybody, and he turned out to be a pretty reliable player for Ontario down the stretch last season. Uh, and he was a player that got called up from Greenville was not a member of the organization until last season when he was called upon to, to fill the void when the Kings, you know, called up a couple of Ontario defensemen at certain points last season. So there were a lot of players that kind of went up and down and then even some in the preseason. I mean, people might forget the, the, the fight in the preseason game against San Diego between Dallas Gerads, who played for Greenville last year. He was with the rain in the preseason and he had a really entertaining fight with Hunter Drew, who was involved in a lot of things between the rain and the goals last season. And uh, Gerads, while trying to find a spot on the rain, dropped the gloves at Toyota Arena. And it was a good bout too. It was just overshadowed by 
a Jacob Doty fight that lasted almost two minutes in that same game later in the game. And I think that's one that we've talked about more often than the Dallas Gerads fight. But, you know, that kind of just shows the, the relationship that these teams have had in the past, whether it be guys on AHL deals with the rain playing down in Greenville or players getting called up midseason. By the way, Dallas Gerads has signed with Greenville for next season, so he will be a member of the Swamp Rabbits. Uh, did get called up by the Cleveland Monsters for a couple of games to make his AHL debut last year. But you're right, Josh. It's players like that where, yes, if the Rain are in a pinch, maybe the Kings have some injuries, maybe there's you know some room up on the Rain roster, they can now look to the Swamp Rabbits stable of players and know you know, not every one of the Swamp Rabbits players is on an AHL contract, but it's easy now with that official affiliation to grab one of those guys on a PTO and say, hey, you know, like like the team did with Christian Case's stool. I mean, he wasn't on a rain contract last year full time. He was on a PTO for basically the whole season back and forth with the rain, but he earned a spot on the team. He, he earned the respect of his teammates. We talked about him a bunch on this show on the air as being a guy that was reliable and, and, you know, that's a great example of, you know, having an affiliation, being able to watch those players who are on ECHL contracts and then maybe see them come up, you know, to the next level. And so as part of that announcement, five different players were signed to AHL contracts by the rain. Uh, all five of them are on two way deals. So kind of the idea with that is yet they are on AHL contracts with the rain. But, you know, they have a two-way option, so they may be players that Greenville may have at some point with the Swamp Rabbits this upcoming season. Those guys, you mentioned a few of them, Josh, uh, guys who are returning from last season, Brett Kemp, Nikita Pavlichev, and Alex Irulo. Kemp and Pavlichev were signed by the Reign at the beginning of last season and both got chances to, to play in both the ECHL and AHL. Both of them were staples in Greenville last year. When those guys were with the Swamp Rabbits, that Greenville team was one of the best in the ECHL South Division. Uh, but, you know, so, at some points, there was a lot of, obviously, a lot of injuries up at the NHL level. There's injuries at the AHL level. They both got chances to come play for the rain. And then the Swamp Rabbits were, were missing those guys when, when they were up. But those two guys are back. Alex Irulo, who graduated from Bemidji State last year, joined the rain for a few games, ended up down in, in Greenville. He played for Greenville in the playoffs. He is back on an AHL contract. Joe Gattenby, who also joined the Reign on an AHL contract after his collegiate season at the University of New Brunswick had ended. He didn't get into a game with the Reign, but then the Swamp Rabbits postseason was about to start. And, you know, they said, hey, you know, unfortunately you haven't gotten into a game with, with Ontario, but if you want to go down to Greenville and play playoff games in the ECHL, We'd love to have you on the roster. And he did that and played in all six playoff games for Greenville. Obviously made a good enough impression that he was brought back on an AHL contract for the upcoming season. And finally, Justin Knockbauer uh, is the fifth member of that announcement. The only guy who wasn't in Ontario at all last season in that announcement, but he was with Greenville and did play AHL games last year. He was on an AHL contract with Greenville's official affiliate last year, the Charlotte Checkers. So Knockbauer... We don't really know too much about him, but he did play in the AHL last year. He was in the uh, the Carolina system, or, sorry, the Florida system with the Charlotte Checkers. Played for Greenville most of the year, but just from watching a couple highlights, more of a physical player might see him be a, a guy if he gets called up that that may be a little more physical, may drop the gloves, kind of 
a big body that that can kind of be a little bit of a a, a pain in the inside for the opponents in front of the net. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Alex Irulo and and Joe Gattenby, and those were two players. Like you said, Irulo played just a just a couple of games for the Rain last year, um, and then Gattenby didn't play at all for the Rain. But those were players that were both around the team for for a, a handful of games without really even being on the ice at all, and then got the opportunity to go down to to Greenville in the ECHL. And I mean, you go back and you look at their their playoff series. They lost in six games in the first round, but. Uh, not only Pavlichev, who you mentioned was really good last year in the ECHL, but Irulo and Gattenby played pretty big roles in that in that six game first round playoff series too. Irulo was really good; he was right up there towards the top of the team in scoring. So um, those are two guys that um, might get some opportunities with the Rain this year, um, and then we'll, we'll expect to see them to play a little bit more in Greenville as well um, in their first what would be a, a, a full pro season after just a little bit of experience last year. Yeah, so big announcement there. We'll definitely get to know more about Greenville, more about the Swamp Rabbits. Uh, I believe Jesse Cohen and all the Kings men going to have some more more details and information coming up uh, on one of their upcoming episodes to learn more about that Greenville team and the affiliation. So look forward to that. Definitely at both rookie camp and at rain camp, you should see some names on those rosters that have you know that have some ties to Greenville getting some opportunity for those guys to showcase showcase themselves in a great up, you know, in a great event, like both the rookie showcase and the rain training camp and the rain uh, speaking of the rain training camp and schedule, the promotional schedule for Ontario has been announced as well. The full promo schedule is out there. We had Darren Abbott on a few weeks ago to talk about some of the upcoming themes. Uh, He was going over some of the things that, that we're trying to do. So definitely go on. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out at OntarioRain.com. Definitely some more information coming on some of those nights. We've got some some new nights this year that are a little bit different, but it's going to be a season where, you know, the old themes that that people know and love, like Teddy Bear Toss, Pink in the Rink, you know, Hockey Fights Cancer, those kind of things, Dia de Muertos, they're all back, Not, not abandoning any of those, but have kind of bolstered the list with a few new themes on the list as well. Uh, we've got rain con. Uh, we've got the anime. So that's going to be the anime night. We've got uh, a few different things obviously St. Patrick's day is back and uh, some wands and wizards kind of an ode to Harry Potter that's on the list. So there's, there's some new things this year that, that the rain are going to be trying out. So definitely going to be exciting to, to see some new things at Toyota arena. And it seemed like when when the conversation about potential new theme nights and new promotional nights was starting to be introduced, it was open to a lot of different people. I think that those that the inspiration for some of these nights came from a lot of different places. And I think that that's really cool. So um, I'm excited to see some of the new nights. Um, My I don't know if it's my favorite night, but one of the ones that I did really like last year was the Wild West night. Um, And uh, that was mostly because. Uh, I convinced our uh, producer Tyler to wear a cowboy hat uh, before the game, and he was walking around with the the cowboy hat on. and And, and I think uh, looking forward to seeing some more fun nights like that, and some fun giveaways along the line too. And you know, if Wild West night comes around and we're wearing bolo ties, I think that might be uh, might be interesting. Absolutely, yeah, that should be that should be fun. And uh, of course, part of that specialty jerseys as well. Uh, so. You know, there's the whole list of, of games that we're going to be wearing specialty jerseys. So take a look at that again at our website, OntarioRain.com. 
com and and Josh, also also you should go on youtube and check out loose threads uh, that that's oh, yeah. uh that's a new uh little three-part series that 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 the marketing staff has been has been working on and, and producing just to show fans uh the behind the scenes uh parts of the specialty jersey process um so if you like the specialty jerseys if you take a look at the schedule and see when those jerseys are going to be around you should definitely go on youtube uh, to the rain youtube channel and look up loose threads and kind of see all the different people who have a say in, in, in what goes on in that process. Yeah, Matt McElroy uh, was featured there as well as uh, we've had Luke Ikes on there. So there's some good, good, definitely interesting behind the scenes things to, uh, to check out on Loose Threads. And this week's guest here on the Rain Check, uh, someone who has great experience wearing some threads. Uh, it's Blake Bolden from the LA Kings who joined us and she is a scout for the Kings who does cover the AHL. So it's interesting for us to kind of talk to someone who's actively scouting the league, but yet, and you know, she'll explain it a little bit more in detail, but she is not necessarily focused on the players that play for the Kings in the rain. She's looking at the AHL as a whole. She's looking at some other different players, maybe some guys who are playing on other teams, both in the Pacific division and, and outside of that as well. So that's what her focus has been. She's definitely involved in, in a few other areas. She's involved on the events team to spread awareness in, in the community side of things, getting some minorities into some hockey gear, which is excellent. But uh, if you're not familiar with Blake, you can look up more information. There's there's plenty th- plenty online. But she was the first black player drafted in the CWHL, first black woman to compete in the NWHL. She won a championship in pro hockey. Uh, she had a great collegiate career at Boston College, and um, you know she her career has been outstanding. She's done so much. Uh, and really just, just the last five, five or so years, such a part of the game. And it's great to have her on our staff. So, um, you know, without further ado, we'll get to our, our conversation with Blake. She was great. And we, uh, we enjoyed talking to her. Joining us this week on the rain check podcast, uh, Jared Schaffer alongside Josh Schaefer, but with Blake Bolden, Blake, uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day. Absolutely. Thanks you guys for having me. Awesome. Uh, it's off season, so uh, take us through. You know, you're not necessarily going to games and scouting, but uh, you've been here probably in El Segundo a bunch more. What What are you doing in the off season? What are some of your focuses? Off season is primarily growth and inclusion. So a lot of clinics, a lot of camps. We just had our We Are All Kings camp, um, which is basically getting diverse individuals on the ice for the first time, giving them equipment. And, uh, and then we have our Kings camp with uh, with the crew, and it's really fun. And we're getting out in the community, ball hockey, all sorts of things, a lot of community initiatives and activation. So it's really just all hands on deck. Do you have a favorite part of of doing those things like maybe it's the moment where a kid actually likes the sport didn't even know about it before I don't know what do, what do you see when you're doing those absolutely well first and foremost I see the smiles of the kids when they're like what is ice hockey I have no idea okay. then they get their equipment and they're falling and they're like little bowling balls and running into each other and their parents are dropping them off and they're smiling like oh my gosh I'm so glad I brought them here this is amazing so, I mean, honestly, that's that's my favorite part and just giving back to the game that I love so much. Do you think back to, to you know, the, either the skills, whether it be on the ice or just, you know, like character traits that you learned growing up and playing hockey and throughout your career that have kind of, you know, you've been able to turn over into the, the inclusion and 
things that you implement in the camps? Yeah, I would. I always like to tell the kids like hockey sometimes is non-traditional. The way I fell into the game was extremely non-traditional, and it's okay. You don't have to have any sort of historical background. You don't have to have a brother or sister, but just try it out. And if you try it out, you learn the game. You'll most likely love it because it's incredible. And when you fall down, heck, that's a life lesson. You're going to have to learn how to get back up. Um, I didn't know how to stop on my left skate for the first two years that I learned how to skate. So it's just about getting back up when you when you get knocked back down. When did you find that you were, you know, obviously you had some work to do on your skating when you started. When did you kind of immerse yourself in the game and decide, I'm going to commit myself to this? Oh, man. Well, I saw Jock Collander play in the Cleveland Lumberjacks back in the day and Martin St. Louis, so I was very lucky to have that little snippet of action. And I saw them just fly down, put the puck in the net, and my parents actually put me in power skating every Sunday because they're like, this girl really needs to work on her edges. (laughs) And I was explosive and powerful. I ran track, so I found myself to be very fast. And once I got really fast, I was like, okay, I got this going. So I was probably about like 10 years old when I really wanted to focus in, go to all the camps, Canada, Michigan, Ontario, all those places where I just honed in all the time. I was pretty obsessed, actually. When did it seem like this could be, you know, a reality for you pursuing, you know, a career in hockey and a life in hockey? Uh, You could probably ask Mano Mariome. She had a a group of us go to the Pee Wee Canada tournament in Quebec. And that was so fun because I had no idea who Mano Mariome was until she was standing right in front of me. So it's always about when you see something when you're a kid and you were like, oh, I think I can be that. And not that I thought I was going to be in the NHL, but I definitely wanted to play at the highest levels. So when I saw young girls around my age being as good as they were and pursuing the game, I wanted to be the best as well. Well, it wasn't a, a pre-rehearsed question, but since you mentioned Manon, uh, you know, now you're a coworker of hers. So I know. What is that, that great? Like? I mean, that's probably a mind-blowing <laughs> Oh, thing. it is mind-blowing. I remember when she was announced, I texted her. I was like, what the heck? I didn't even know. She was like, I had to keep it on the DL. <laughs> but Manon's been someone I've looked up to since, again, I was 12 years old. So it's it's crazy to be coworkers first and foremost. And she's just a huge staple in the game. And now that she's with player development as a consultant, I know for a fact I'm going to be blowing her up all the time, asking her questions. And it's nice to have that female support, honestly, in the game. How have you seen, you know, the way that you view the game maybe change a little bit since you've started your role with the Kings? Well, I guess how I viewed the game, first and foremost, when I started in 2020, in January, it was like full tilt. I was traveling part time, but I was still traveling. And then March happened. Boom, everything shut down. So that was like a crazy transition of me just, one, learning how to scout in the first place, and then two, learning how to scout, and then video scout, and then just learning everything else that had to go with that. Um, With our draft picks, I mean, we had a lot of buzz, as you guys know, with the nine draft picks that we had in 2020. So I was just really excited. Our speed, our skill, our defensemen that can apparently just go up to the big club and help out when we have all these injuries. So it's just been great to learn how the Ontario Reign and the Kings are partners in that and how we both want to be as successful as possible. But I always like to say that I'm still learning as I go because I just kind of got dropped in and I was like, hey, all right, let's go. COVID happened. I was like, oh, we're we're pumping the brakes. So every which way has been a learning opportunity for me. 
So going off of that, what's your knowledge like now of the AHL that maybe you've learned a little bit more and kind of understand the league maybe more than you did previously? Well, I definitely asked a lot of questions, and luckily a lot of the hockey ops guys helped me a lot um, upon my arrival. And just being a part of the Pacific region, first and foremost, I mean, that's a pretty high-skilled region. Um, and I remember when I first started, I saw TJ Tynan in Colorado, and I remember looking and being like, who is that guy? Lo and behold, a year later, he's on our squad being the lead, lead scorer yeah. and winning uh, MVP. So... I, I just think it's incredible uh, the amount of skill that these players have. And then when you switch over and see a team like Chicago winning it all, I mean, I don't see any of those teams play. So it's just it's just interesting to see the crossover when it happens. So what's kind of your analysis been of, of some of the, the young players in the organization that have been brought up through the rain? Who's like stood out to you these last couple of years since you've been here? Yeah, I think uh, Fagamo stood out to me a lot. I, I really like his offensive prowess. Um, Akil Thomas, he's had kind of a, a crazy injury-ridden season. Um, but when he was back in the swing of things, when he got his confidence, he was just kind of like that Swiss Army knife that everybody loves. Um, we just have some incredible talent. I mean, Jared Anderson Dolan, when he came back and he was putting it through his legs and was just scoring nonstop, um, the future is extremely bright for our, our prospects. And I know you guys know a lot about them and you're excited, but it's it's just nice for me to see them grow as well. How much do you divvy up maybe scouting some rain games yeah. versus, like you said, maybe watching some of the other teams in the Pacific Division or, or other teams in general? I really look to try to get outside of the rain. Um, I know Seals has our team pretty locked down, and, and I have to you know, communicate with him on a, on a regular basis to see what's up with us here. Um, but I'm really looking at outside of the rain, the Michellis and the Colorado Eagles, and, and seeing how they're progressing and, and seeing how their uh, prospects are progressing throughout the season. And so what do you look for? I mean, you had mentioned you, you go up and you see Colorado and you see TJ Tynan, and that's a player that maybe catches your eye. But what specifically are those aspects of a player that, that stand out to you? I would say hockey sense, first and foremost. Um, our club really looks into intangibles a lot, and I'm kind of learning how to pick those out when I'm sitting in a game in person. I think it was a little harder to read on video than it is in person. Um, but hockey sense to me is first and foremost, especially when you're a younger player and you think that you're highly skilled and you can go through all these people like cones. You can't <laughs> when you get to the big stage. And um, if you can play defense and play 200 feet, I think that's what I look for. Um, our club also has a lot of speed. And I think right now uh, we need some size and some toughness. So I look for, I mean, you got to look for everything, right? <laughs> We're great in the mall, uh, top to bottom. When you think back to, and you said, you know, it's kind of been learning on the fly. You're just constantly learning things. What are some of the things that maybe have stood out that you're like, wow, this is something that I didn't have a few years ago that now you know to look for. You, you're kind of uh, pinpointing when you're when you're out there watching. Well, I got a lot. I, I got to read a lot of game reports, um, and everybody has a different style. So I had to kind of figure out how my style of writing game reports and my style is of watching the game and how to communicate that. Um, so I think it's pretty fun just to break down each individual player, breaking down their skating, breaking down their defensive awareness, their scoring prowess, all of those things. Um, I'm pretty 
like diligent in that. Um, I feel like sometimes they're a little bit too wordy, but I, I just enjoy that aspect of just getting to the nitty gritty. Um, and that's, that's just what I've learned over these last couple of years. This might be kind of a weird question, um, but maybe from our background, the, the broadcast or the, the journalism kind of side of things is you're always kind of trying to find your own voice and your own style, but you see what this person's doing or you see what this team's doing or how they write this or whatever. Do you ever look to that for other people, see what other people, how they do a game report or what, what a scouting report looks like from somebody else? Do you ever kind of pay attention to those things? Oh, I had to because I had no idea <laughs> How to do that uh, prior to scouting? I, I honestly asked as many questions as possible. Asked all of our scouts, especially in the other uh, regions, and they helped me out a lot. And like I said before, you got to find your voice. And as just someone who is one of the youngest, least experienced, you just got to figure out how you want to communicate that to uh, upper management. When you look back uh, in your few years, it's the first time that the Kings have qualified for the playoffs. The Reign were a pretty good team. Uh, how gratifying was it to see that the teams are kind of turning the corner here and that you're you're part of that hockey ops group? Honestly, I'm just sitting back and just collecting all of that. I have nothing to do with any of that. Um, and it's it's just a testament to how amazing our staff is and, and how great, I mean, our other scouts are doing as well. Um, I, I, I can't take any credit to that. And uh, it's just been really cool to watch and be a part of. I feel like I'll be the one to pivot it um, with the two uh, people who went to school in Boston in here. But um, <laughs> if we if we pivot a little bit to, to your time as a player, you know, what was your collegiate career like uh, going to school in Boston and playing there? Well, Boston is an amazing city. I wanted to go to BC ever since I was a freshman um, and I got a full academic or athletic scholarship there. Uh, three frozen fours, never a national championship, unfortunately. Uh, All-American, and I was an offensive defenseman, and I loved putting the puck in the net. I love quarterbacking the power play and and just being out there 30-plus minutes a game. Yeah, we were in school at the same time, overlapped a little bit, so saw some of your games, uh, actually you know, kind of learned a little bit more on the broadcasting side from doing some women's games nice. first before I got to do men's games, and, and it was – you know, just remembering how competitive it was in the Hockey East at that at that point. I mean, it was a very, very good conference, and obviously the Beanpot kind of stands out for, for a lot of people, but what are some of the memories that, that you have from kind of having some success there? Yeah, I remember we won, us winning our first um, Hockey East championship when I was a sophomore. We had Kelly Stack and some other incredible Olympians. Mm-hmm. And I do remember having to cover um, Kendall Coyne every time she was on the ice. And I'm sure <laughs> you know a lot about Kendall. Uh, that rivalry was pretty big. But Beanpot, we only won one of those in my stint, and that's just one of those prideful awards where you just want to be the best in the city, and it was really great when we got to win that one. And you had played a little bit with, with Kendall Coyne before. Mm-hmm. before. Was, was that before then? It would have been before. Is that you get any knowledge there? You get any you know kind of scouting <laughs> before then? Well, Kendall's the fastest female hockey player on earth. I mean, this girl has wheels for days. Every time she was on the ice, my coach would just be like, Blake, you're on the ice. You're on the ice. I'm like, gosh, darn it. Like, I should have literally (laughs) trained just to play against her. Um, But, yeah, we won a couple world championships together. We were on the national team together. Um, So I was her teammate. We were on that team with Manon Riom together. 
uh, around the same age. So yeah, I knew I knew what she had to offer, and uh, it's always fun to be able to play one of the best and shut them down. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, when you transitioned to to pro, I mean, had amazing success right away. Uh, what was it like being involved and then? And then actually to, to win a championship. I appreciate you. You think I had amazing success right away. <laughs> well, when you win a championship, I mean, that's amazing yeah, success. Year, year two was pretty good. That was, uh, we were, we were amazing year two. Year one, we were dog, we were just awful. You got to put that out there. Uh, winning a championship was, was incredible. It's, it's something that you learn a lot. It's not just about having the best players. You have to have role players. You have to have everyone on the same page. And that year was incredible. And the year following winning the Isabel Cup uh, after the CWHL uh, championship, that was great, winning two back-to-back championships. How important was that to kind of get that opportunity to not just play in that league but also win you know, the championship for the first time? Yeah, the inaugural championship, that is something that will go down in the history books um, and is a core memory for me. I remember we had a teammate, her name was Denna Lang, and she got into an accident while we were playing in the Winter Classic Games, and she unfortunately was never able to skate again, and we all gathered around that instance and was were able to bring the championship home to her. So it wasn't just about winning the championship, it was about winning it for her, and she's pretty much the reason why we won it and bringing us together. I remember that. That was... Uh... It was tough. Yeah, it was pretty tough. But, I mean, she's such a great role model for everyone in the sport and has gives back tenfold and her life has changed, and I don't think she would take it back for a moment. Um, we wanted to transition a little bit to uh, we felt like, you know, I, we don't know exactly how close you are or have been with Willie O'Ree, but you've <laughs> got, got to know Willie O'Ree. And oh, yeah. He's just such an incredible incredible guy. He was actually at a couple of rain games this year. I know he still tries to make it out to the rink whenever he can. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's something where he's he's at that point where he's seen so much. He's yeah. probably such an incredible incredible person to talk to when you get a chance. Willie is uh, actually a family friend of mine at this point. I got him at my number. I check in on him often. He and his wife, Deljeet, uh, we live 15 minutes away from each other, actually, so we'll grab lunch and brunch or whatever you want to call it. But uh, Willie's the man. I mean, he is so youthful and and springy and um, just a joy to communicate with. I ask him a million questions about his experience and his past, and you just have to, like, jaw drop about all the things that he's been through. Um, And you just appreciate him. I was able to watch his number raised in the banners and uh, the Bruins uh, rink, and, and that was amazing and incredible. Uh, but yeah, w- Willie is a legend. He'll go down in the history books forever. Um, and we're just grateful that he's alive in this time that we can learn and grow with him. Do you remember what your first interaction was with him and how it went? I do. I was in a Boston museum watching the Soul on Ice movie uh, premiere with Kwame Mason. And I hit up Kwame because I was like, Willie's in town. I need to meet him. Um, I went there. I watched the panel. Willie acted like he knew me forever. We went out for drinks after. He drank <laughs> us all up under the table. And I was like, okay, Willie, Willie's the man. I got to keep his number in my phone. We'll be friends for a lifetime. There was uh, – the Kings had put out the video. I think the NHL did too. You you had a conversation with Willie um, on the ice and yeah. kind of you know talked about what your experiences were like. Um, when you get that opportunity to, to – 
stand with him on the rink and, and talk about your careers and, and the things that you guys had learned and things that you guys had seen and been through through your careers. What, what's that like? I I have to pinch myself because I feel like I'm like, oh, do I deserve standing next to this man? I mean, this is Willie O'Ree, the first black man to play in the NHL. Um, it's an honor and it's a privilege. Uh, Willie has inspired me to want to give back to the game so much. I mean, he's traveled around the country uh, representing the National Hockey League in his diversity inclusion role. And it just inspired me to want to do the same. And hopefully in my growth and inclusion role here, that's kind of what I want to be for the city of Los Angeles. Um, and every time I get to hang out with him, I just am so enthralled and have so much joy because we have actually a genuinely a really good time together. What's that like having that role in LA now? Because you never really had much experience with California and now you're, you're out here. So yeah. what's it like kind of transitioning to a different coast? Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to be here. It's the weather is amazing. <laughs> I, I was, I was sick of that Boston weather. Um, I think it's incredible. I think Los Angeles is an extremely diverse city. Um, And I remember talking to Kelly about how I saw our fan base changing in Crypto.com Arena. And the next time we raise the Stanley Cup, I want our fans to depict the diversity that L.A. has. So that's pretty much my passion and getting out there and, and having fun with as many kids as possible. What are some of the things that being in L.A. and being kind of in that environment have have taught you and maybe helped you in your role? L.A. is a grinder city. It's a city that never sleeps. You guys have so much energy, and I feel like I'm I'm learning and growing in this city. Um, it's it's so much different from the East Coast. Everybody has a vibe and a style. And I just hope that I'm just fitting in all right here. Um, And you guys have been accepting me ever since I walked in 2020. So I'm just trying to give that love right back. Well, since you're a transplant, we have to uh, bring up our recurring question that we ask everyone (laughs) on the podcast, because those who are from the West Coast seem to have different answers than those who are not from the West Coast. All right, let's do it. So now when you you go to the beach here, if if you're walking down to the beach, if you're heading out to the beach... Uh, are you bringing a chair or a towel with you? <laughs> uh, probably a towel. All right, now you're a true, well, true West Coaster. Why? Uh, well, I like to I like to have my body on the ground, and when I get hot, I want to jump in the water. If I'm in a chair, I'm just kind of just sweating, and nothing's happening. <laughs> so, so going to the beach for you does include uh, like the sand is part of the experience. Going into the water is part of the experience. It's not just laying out hanging out oh no 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 there's there's activities going on spike ball you know whatever whatever i can get my hands on we're doing it right i think that's that's the answer of of the people that are on the west coast yeah like the east coast so i'm here i'm here then i'm in it everyone from from the east has got their chair (laughs) well i mean matt miller he's a he's a west coast guy but he's big into the chair but we've had a lot of west coasters who have said like josh Mm -hmm. uh who have just you're big on the towel, but everyone from outside of LA said they bring their chair. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you gotta you gotta be on the ground. Yeah, see, I keep I, I keep saying every week we do this, and I'm I'm a I always bring the towel, um, and never bring the chair, and I want to bring the chair. I wanna bring the chair <laughs> well, I was so. listening to Seals, and he was like, "I don't bring anything, I just walk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's an active guy too. I mean, he's I don't for him too getting to know him. 
he is not someone to sit in one spot. Like, no, he's, he's, he's moving. Active. He's moving. <laughs> he's, he's always on it. And he's such a good person to learn from too because yeah. he's always looking to the next thing. Like mm-hmm. Once something is – especially now during the off season, like whenever we've signed a player, it's – Okay, this is the next. Like they're right. not just satisfied that they signed TJ Tiny for two years. It's hundred percent moving to the next person. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I like hearing the different things because I think that that's the new follow up question though. Is well, what do you do at the beach when you're there? Because then if you're just sitting in the chair, maybe you're just sitting there. If you're if you're down and you have a cooler, yeah. As, as, oh, we're just and, talking. And his is, his ears were ringing in the window. <laughs> is this comment. live or what? She's <laughs> here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's our new follow-up question: is okay if you've got the towel, then are you doing other things? If you've got the chair, you're probably just hanging out, right? I think that's follow-up. Well, Blake, we appreciate your time. <laughs> I guess we'll close out on that one. Yeah. This is—it's uh, been great having you on and, and learning a little bit more about your path now as a as a scout. And um, we hope to maybe check in with you and, and get some updates on uh, where you've been and what you've been watching uh, as we as we continue here. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Blake Bolden for joining us here on the rain check. Jared back with Josh right now. And uh, Josh, you know, the rain, another new announcement that they've had is that Violent Gentleman is now the official merchandise provider of the team. And I think we got to get Blake some some VG merch so she can be rocking that around the office. I I think so, too. Uh, Get get some VG merch so she can rock that both at the office and uh where she told us her her home base pretty much is, which is down at Pachanga Arena in San Diego, which is where she spends a lot of time um, scouting the AHL um, out uh, in in goals territory. But yeah, uh, violent gentleman, uh, the new partner of the rain. And, and if you if you haven't already been familiar with violent gentleman and and, and what um, VG does, um, you probably haven't realized because they've been around for a little while. I, I you know, they, they were uh, a partner that helped produce the the Dia de Muertos jerseys this past season and, and other types of um, materials in the past. Um, I know that the, the Dia de Muertos jersey was a fan favorite last year. It was probably one of my favorite from the season. Um, and uh, they also helped with, with the giveaway, the fan jerseys last year, too. So they've been around for a little while. They've had their hand in things. And now uh, it's it's definitely a big move to, to get them even more involved in the merchandising uh, for the Ontario Reign. Also, speaking of those specialty jerseys that we've, that we've referenced a few times, Rain Social right now has a vote for which of your favorite, which was your favorite specialty jersey from last year. The first round is over. We're into the second round of those specialty jerseys, and that Dia de Muertos jersey has advanced into the second round. I believe the St. Patrick's Day one is still alive as well. So that's, it's just, that's a clean jersey. It's just, yeah. it's just clean. The, the Dia de Muertos was It's funny cold. to think that a Dia de Muertos jersey is clean because, honestly, you wouldn't really think that, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a, a style that has so many colors. It's so loud. It, it's a little bit of eccentric. But to say that that's a clean jersey, I feel like that's a pretty good compliment because it's a busy theme. It's just very bold. It's It's got the dark color. Um, and then the numbers and and the and the striping on it just really made it pop. Um, and and you know we we talked with uh, with a violent gentleman on on the air last year for the Dia de Muertos game. Uh, they had a bunch of people in the building for that night, um, and we got to talk to him on the air on on the radio stream and on and on AHL TV. And 
I think we might have to try to do something similar this time because uh, love to hear kind of what their mindset has been in, in creating some of these. And last year for the Dia de Muertos game, we had them on the air and they talked about, you know, what went into the designs of the jersey and what kind of their inspiration was. And, and I know a lot of people got a kick out of those jerseys and that night as a whole. So we're looking for even bigger and better things from from Violent Gentlemen and this new partnership in the future. Final thing before we wrap it up here on the rain check for this edition, the rain also signed Alan Quine to an AHL contract uh, a few weeks back now. And, you know, a really a, a big addition to the forward group, especially, you know, referenced earlier, you know, no Brett Sutter this year, no Martin Furk. Um, there's definitely some veterans. TJ Tynan uh, is in the mix to potentially be f- with the rain. And, and if he is, obviously that's a, a pretty big veteran to have. There's a couple other guys that, it could be in the locker room that have been around, but Alan Quine on an AHL contract is a guy who you can pencil into the lineup and really he can go anywhere in the lineup. He He's a guy who scored at the highest level. He has scored pretty consistently at the AHL level. And, you know, it's not like he's that old. He's, he's 29. So he's pretty much still, I would say, in the prime of his career. And an opportunity for him to be, you know, like I said, anywhere in the lineup, but a great experienced player to add to the lineup for Ontario. Yeah, he definitely is. And he's played over 100 games in the NHL uh, across five different seasons for a few different teams. Um, He had that really big playoff overtime goal a couple of years ago when he was playing for the Islanders. Um, And and now looking into the more recent years in in his AHL career, um, he's been really good. Last year, I don't even know if you would call this a down year for him. He had 28 points in 39 games, so so he didn't play the full season. Um, but even before that, when he was in uh, when he was with the Flames organization, he played two years in Stockton, and in the shortened uh, in the in the shortened season, kind of uh, when when COVID came around um, and put the season on pause, he had 46 points in 38 games, and the year before that, scored 52 points in 41 games. So he's a guy that's going to contribute to the offense. He's not, he might not be a, an overwhelming goal scorer like, like Martin Furk was. Um, he's not going to be, you know, your distributor in the way that TJ Tynan was last year. He's a little bit of both, you know? Um, so, so that's what you get from Alan Quine and the fact that Ontario is able to bring him in on an AHL deal and kind of cement him in the lineup, you know, you expect it to be pretty much every night, right? With, with so many young prospects, so many young goal scorers too, like, like Samuel Fagimo, for example. Um, you drop him onto a line with a young player who likes to shoot the puck as a threat to shoot the puck. Um, and you're probably going to be scoring a lot of goals. I, I think for me, the biggest thing with signings like this, and, and I talk about it all the time, whether it's in season or during the off season, is having the depth on your team the depth on your roster that if there's open roles available, you know, maybe Alan Quine, maybe he starts the year on the third line, but he could play first line minutes and that would not be a stretch for a guy like him. So I think to have the flexibility and the depth in your system, in your organization to no matter what, you know, no matter what the situation is, have guys that are versatile, versatile and play everywhere. I, I think that helps you. So for, to me, this is an excellent signing. Uh, really, you know, excited to see what he has and, and what he brings to the table. And I know that's how Richard Seeley feels as well. You know, he doesn't take these things lightly. I'm sure there was a ton of scouting done. Maybe even uh, maybe even a note or two from Blake Bolden on Alan Quine, who played in Henderson last year. And you know, that's where the organization comes together and makes a decision like this. And I, I think it benefits everybody. 
Yeah. And kind of going back to what you just said about the depth. I mean, think at what Ontario's lines look like last year, your forward lines look like, and you had that depth last year, but a lot of that depth was from young prospects too. So, you know, when the Kings had injuries and players were getting called up, um, it was the young guys getting called up. It was young guys moving up in, in, in the lineup for Ontario. Um, you know, and, and there were a few times, and this is where Greenville comes in, right? When you call somebody up, when you sign somebody to a PTO, something like that. By bringing in Alan Quine, this is a guy who's going to be around, is going to be a focal point of, you know, the, the goal production for the rain where, you know, you hate to think about it, but if there's an injury and somebody needs to get called up, Alan Quine's going to stay with the rain and still be, you know, a, a mainstay in that lineup and in the offensive production for the team night in and night out. Um, and that's probably what played a huge role into this and, and it, not just the depth, but, you know, you're losing a couple guys in the off season who had contributed to the offense in the past and you replace them with somebody who can do a lot of the same things. And I think that's a big thing for Ontario moving forward and a team that is still quite young but still has a lot of games played at the AHL level for a team that is so young to bring somebody like him in. It's a huge plus. We're counting down the days until opening night on October 14th. You will definitely hear from us plenty before then, as we get things ramped up for the 2022, 23 season. Final thing before uh, we let you go here on this one is again, another plug for all the Kings men, because uh, Jesse spoke with Cameron Gauntz after the World Junior Championships. Uh, the episode came out a few days ago. You can find it uh, on all the Kings men. And it is a must listen, really, for Rain fans. Cameron Gauntz is excellent. We know that. He's been on our show. You can go back and listen to, to our interview with him. But uh, to hear him kind of go into a deep dive at, at, in the Kings prospects at the World Juniors, Casper uh, Simon Tyvel, Samuel Hellanius, and Helge Granz, uh, it was just a treat. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Uh, and we we definitely hope to have Cameron on plenty on the rain check as well in the upcoming season. So we will talk to everyone soon and hopefully you're enjoying the end of summer.